Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. We're back. Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is starting the second season. We aired 93 podcasts in season one, and you can still find us on most major social media platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, RSS, CastBox, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Radio Public, and more. We're now in our second season and featuring a new format, including interviews with your favorite outdoor celebrities, great hunting and fishing destinations, living the dream land reports to keep you up to date on the greatest outdoor properties on the market today. Two, we will have the occasional market update, included current interest rates, and last but not least, we'll have a weekly giveaway of fabulous outdoor merchandise. There's going to be lots of fun and excitement on the new Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Today's topic on Living the Dream Outdoor podcast is great turkey hunters. And all you turkey hunters out there, you've got turkey hunting names right on the tip of your lips, you know, tip of your tongue. But uh, I go way back, you know, I'm, I'm, gosh, over 70 years old, so I'm a old turkey hunter i've been turkey hunting for over 50 years but i got on a program with me a gentleman lives in alabama now he used to be a missouri and he went south on us <laughs> mr walter parrot a lot of you turkey hunters will remember that name and walter parrot back in the day you know the 60s and 70s up through there at one time had run more turkey calling contests than anybody in the world and also i've hunted with walter a few times and i know that he is an exceptional turkey hunter so i would have to say too that walter parrot is also one of the greatest turkey hunters that ever lived walter i haven't embarrassed you too much yet have i well my face is red bill you know nobody can see it so i guess that's okay <laughs> hey that's a great thing about podcasts you know of course you've been in that in front of that tv camera many times in your lifetime so i'm sure you had some moments when your faces got red and you had to re- record things we've all been through that but walter man it's great to have you on the program today i've followed your career pretty much all your life you know and uh I don't have enough time on a podcast to do all the accolades and mention all the things that you've done in your lifetime, but you do go back to the era when turkey hunting was brand new in the country, and particularly here in Missouri, you know. I think you had a little bit of an advantage because Missouri was a great turkey hunting state. But, Walter, how were you when you started turkey hunting? I was probably 9 or 10, and actually, you know, Missouri season started back up, or their modern-day season, they call it, in 1960 so in in 64 65 i was nine maybe 10 and that's when i started very very early you know and and like you just mentioned bill there wasn't any place better to learn to turkey hunt than the state of missouri boy that's no doubt oh that's absolute truth i don't think anybody would argue with that well who got you into turkey hunting well i mean it was just something to come around and you heard about it in a small town i grew up in and 
like any other place. There was a few guys there that hunted, you know, turkey hunted, but they really weren't turkey hunters. That you know, I learned that later on in life. Yeah, uh, you'd always go up there and try to pick their brain, you know, because you heard this guy kill one or someone else, you know, was fortunate enough to put a tag on one, and and you know, and that they really didn't know because it was a it was a new sport in Missouri. Of course, in the South, Alabama, they you know forever they talked about turkey hunting down there. But uh, as far as uh, guys that really knew how to hunt, there was a couple of guys. One of them was my uncle, uh, Bus Thomas from Farmington, Missouri. There. And uh, his wife just hated to see me come up there because I was there to pick my uncle's brain. And then uh, another gentleman's name was Stanley Hull. And those those guys both, you know, they were all old box call guys. And, and to uh-huh. me, still, a, bo- a good box call sounds more like a, a turkey than anything, you know, in the woods. But uh, those guys really, uh, they helped me along. And I, I, I would, you know, beat up or corner anybody that I could that I uh, <laughs> thought had any kind of knowledge, you know about hunting and that's basically how i learned and, and trial and error you know as doing it as a kid you know, you, you bet you lots junior of, high and on you know yeah well you got an earlier start see i didn't actually get to tar- uh, start turkey hunting after i got out of college in the military because i was from the missouri boot hill and there certainly wasn't any turkeys or deer either one down there but uh i got out of college military and came to st james missouri as superintendent of merrimack spring park and there was a new conservation area about seven thousand acres that just went all the way around uh merrimack spring park and it was a couple thousand acres so there was a lot of wild land land right out my back door and i started turkey hunting and, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh yourself silly over this one of course i bought an old uh, Lynch, one of those one-sided uh, hen yelpers, you know, and uh, I didn't know a thing about my, one of my favorite box calls. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> still good calls. Uh, they're kind of expensive now if you can even find one because uh, they're quite the collector's item. But I literally took the instructions out of that box and read those instructions. And you remember the day when uh, yep 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 was about it, you know? Well, that, this instruction sheet told me to take that call and. Go yep 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 just three times and then set that call down. Wait about thirty minutes and do it again. Well, I went out in the woods. I didn't even practice with it. I just read the instructions. And then I went out in the woods and I had to pull the instructions <laughs> out again to remember what to do. You know, so I'm just standing out there just right at daylight, way out in the woods, and I go yep yep yep, and I'll be darned if a gobbler didn't answer me. That that's the honest truth. First time I ever run a turkey call, a gobbler answered. Well, he was probably a half a mile away. 30 minutes later, I go, yep, yep, yep. He gobbled again. Well, we did that till like 11 o'clock in the morning. I never moved, and the turkey never moved. Well, we we did that for a week till I finally figured out one of us has got to move. <laughs> but uh, Well, you know, that, that three that three yelp and stop and lay the call down is pretty good advice still today, really. That still works. It does. It it's, really does. It certainly uh, it does. It absolutely does. So that's, that was good good advice, and that 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 one on one box call you're talking about. Yeah. I had one, and one of the gentlemen that uh, that, that I beat up and, and tried to learn how to turkey hunt from, he also had one, and he had a garage that that he had beards lined up all the way around that thing, hanging from the from wow. the uh, the rafters. You know, there was just so many birds that he took. But I, I actually, Bill, I wore one of them out, <laughs> I wore the side of it off, practicing with it, and reshaped it with sandpaper. And then another gentleman had broke the lid off of one, and, and I made one out of cedar. An old crude whittled it out and cut it out and made it out of cedar and used that box for a while with a, with a cedar lid on it. Wow. So those one-on-one, one-sided ones, 
are, are a great call. And in fact, a, a young friend of mine that hunts with me, he found one on eBay uh-huh. that was made in Alabama and bought it for me and sent it to me. So I've got it in there. And the gentleman smoked, I guess, terribly, and it just smelled, reeked so much of smoke. <laughs> it's been in for over a year. I've had it in a, a Ziploc bag, and I, I've changed the uh, uh, baking soda out in it a couple of different times, and the, the smell is just about gone. Oh, but it's, They're a fantastic call, fantastic call, and they sound like a hen. Oh, they do. They they do. And of course, now Walter, I got to tell you this too. You know, I followed your career early on. I sat in the audiences and uh, listened to you uh, call. And uh, in fact, uh, I never told you this, but there were a uh, number of contests over the years where I was asked to be a judge, and I refused. They said, "Why?" You know, I said, "Well, one thing, my ear is not the best in the world, but that Walter Parrot guy, I can pick him out of a crowd like." nobody's business and i said that's not even gonna be fair i'll know who he is when he starts calling because <laughs> you know, that, that's truth and uh, i brought that up uh, several times over the years you know around campfires and that sort of thing and people said you know i could do the same thing anytime walter parrot was calling i knew it was him and you just had a very distinct sound to your call and i don't know what that was all about i i always told him you just had a hollow head and it made a real good ring ringing sound you know when those turkey yelps came out of your mouth (laughs) (laughs) well there's a lot of a lot of truth to that (laughs) there's a lot of truth to that bill (laughs) well well i've hey i followed you enough yeah hunted with you a couple times and uh you always had quite an arsenal of turkey calls. Now, I know you started out with that box call, but how did you ad- advance uh, through the turkey calls? What what was your second call maybe that you picked up and, and became proficient with? Well, I'm, look, back to the box call, one reason I like the box calls, of course, uh, Uncle Bus and, and uh, Mr. Stanley both used box calls, and everybody around that area used box calls, but we also had some tame turkeys there, and they sounded like a box call. Uh-huh. And I started messing with a mouth diaphragm, and to be honest with you, there was nothing uh, or no place that you could go and buy a decent one for years right? and years. So I was a friction guy for a long time, you know, uh-huh. and finally got uh, wound up with some mouth diaphragms that I could finally, you know, it wouldn't tear up or fall apart, or, or you could actually, you know, make a sound on it, and, and obviously that's the hardest caller is to, to learn to use, and and I just didn't sound like a turkey as much as I did w- with that box call, and I knew that, you know. But but uh, the box call was it's just it's just so such a good call, and I use it now, still to this day, and a lot of times first thing, you know, right off the bat, you know. But uh, and I used other calls because as I you know grew as a hunter, I learned that uh, turkeys had different voices, you know, and sometimes you needed a different sound to to convince him to come uh come see you oh you so, you bet but it was a it was a learning process you know oh absolutely for all of us but uh what you were just talking about you know different circuits sound different ways well the, of course the outdoor manufacturers the call companies really played on that fact i gave them uh, a reason to come up with something different to sell every year and it's been amazing over the years to watch uh, uh what's going to come out on the market every year it's always amazing i keep thinking someday they're going to run out of a new product but they always seem to come up with something new (laughs) well walter i need to take just a short break here got to hear from some folks don't you run off now keep your turkey call close uh, because we got uh, several other topics (laughs) to talk about man uh i'll be right back 
Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, each episode we do a free giveaway. We draw from the grab bag here full of all of these gift certificates. Each gift certificate is valued at approximately $100, give or take. And you can get stuff such as discounts on fishing trips. You can even get coupons towards your purchases at different sporting goods stores or online websites and things like that. The way to enter is you go to our Facebook page, Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast. And once you get on there, like the page first and then scroll down to this episode's giveaway and we'll draw your name from the hat and announce it on the next episode. So be sure to do that and we look forward to seeing what you're going to get. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. But first, we're going to talk to Brandon Licklider over at Marriage County Bank. Good morning. I'm Bill Cooper with Brandon Licklider, branch manager of Marriage County Bank at Cuba, Missouri. Brandon, it's great to talk to you this morning. We're so excited to have you working with us. But uh, hey, give us a little update about uh, Marriage County Bank. How long have you guys been around? Bill, we've been around since uh, 1900. Um, we're actually finishing up our newest project going into Cuba that I'll be managing. Uh, should be done there within a month, month and a half, something like that. Really excited about that. It's a beautiful facility if you're through that area. Um, just uh, wanted to touch on a couple things here today. Um, of course, the last couple of years has been going kind of crazy in the real estate world. So <laughs> with the real estate world goes the banking world. So it's been a lot of fun seeing some of these uh, listings over the last couple of years and getting to work on some of these deals as they come to fruition for people. Um, Mary's County Bank, very experienced with land financing, uh, good resource for people and have been able to uh, provide that service for people over the last couple of years for sure. And it's really exciting. You know, one of my favorite things right now is to log on in the morning and, and look at what new listings are out there. There's some beautiful properties nobody even knew about. And, you know, now they're changing hands and working through the financing with people and, and really truly having some dreams come true for people. So it's really been nice, nice on my side as well. I'm uh, certainly uh, that's true and there are some beautiful properties out there and I drool over them every day just like you yeah. man. <laughs> and it, it's amazing how fast they're turning and I tell you what if you're interested in a property you better not tarry no absolutely they are going quick and and the numbers just keep going up and they do they book fast they're out there and they're gone the next day it seems like so I've seen it happen well Brandon if anybody wants to talk to you how do they get a hold of you uh, phone number at this point in time, as I said, kind of in transition right now. So our St. James branch line is 573-265-4600. And if you call that number, you can just ask for myself, Brandon Licklider again. Um, be glad to work through any scenarios with you or go any go over any potential programs we may have that could help you out in this process. Thanks, Brandon. That's tips for the day. Stay with us. If you're just now joining uh, Living the Dream Outdoors podcast, uh, hey, you're in for a real treat. You know, we like for you to listen to us anytime. Of course, you know you can go to all the social media uh, podcast platforms and find us there. But on a program this morning, i got a special, special guest for uh, all of you turkey hunters. And most of you, particularly the older guys, will recognize the name Walter Parrott. And, of course, even you young guys, if you've studied your turkey hunting history, you know who Walter Parrott is. And I'm proud of him because he's a Missouri boy and was one of the original greats. And, uh, Walter, boy, you put in decades of time at turkey hunting, so you ought to have it all figured out by now. 
<laughs> I wish I did, Bill, but I wouldn't dare tell you that. <laughs> I know you wouldn't, because uh, I'll never forget uh, you and I. Chuck, who was the guy that, uh, oh, with Night and Hail used, used to film for you when you were Oh, hunting? Chuck Jones. Oh, yes, yeah. Chuck I me- Jones. Yeah, I remember the three of us over at, uh, we were over, I think, Washington County one time, doing a little filming and hunting, and we were standing there yeah. about daylight, and I think uh, I think you owl hooted, and we had a turkey that gobbled, and we were all standing real close to each other, and that turkey gobbled. We all three took off in different directions, so I thought, boy, none of these guys could hear very well. <laughs> so we had, we had to re- re- that happens, doesn't it? Oh yeah, we had to regroup, get that turkey to gobble again to get a get a fix on him. But but what great times! But Walter, I'd like to reminisce just a little bit here, and it's, you got into the. Can you remember? I'm sure you can. Uh, where your first turkey calling competition took place that you participated in? Oh, my gosh. Fredericktown, Missouri. Fredericktown. Yeah. Fredericktown, Missouri. Yes, sir. And 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 the featured speaker there was Leroy Brongart. Oh, I remember. Sure was. And, I, yeah, Leroy, he was a state representative and uh, one of the biggest cheerleaders I ever had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as far as competition goes. But we went to this con contest, and it's the first one I'd ever been to. And we went in, got there late, and got uh, – got tickets you know the door prizes and won a air operated popcorn popper <laughs> and i listened to the contest and listened to everybody call you know yeah. and I, I was just ate up with calling and hunting you know and just right. i would go anywhere to listen i just wanted to be around guys that that turkey hunting i was just trying to gain knowledge you know and and so i listened to them and i thought i'm gonna get in that thing next year so the following year <laughs> i got in it with that 101 lynch and i won my first friction contest won my first turkey calling contest and I won fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars, and there's goodness. a fifteen dollars, and there's a copy of that check somewhere <laughs> in this world. I think I know there was a copy made of that check, and and that got me hooked. That got me started. And then, you know, that particular year, there was an old gentleman there, and he had to be up in his late seventies or eighties, and he came in there was good to demonstrate the calls, and I'll never ever forget it. He had a peach leaf, a peach that leaf. had these young peach, yes. A peach, a peach limb that had peach leaves on it, and he put that thing between his lips, and he sounded exactly like a hen yolk, exactly. And I was just amazed at it, and you know, and I thought I've got to learn to do that. And eventually, <laughs> I did. It's a wonder I didn't catch something I couldn't get rid of on my face. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd go around in the woods in the spring, and I was picking little leaves up that looked like those little tender leaves. Uh-huh. And I finally learned to yelp on it enough that I was down at my granddad's one morning after spring turkey season, and the old ridge across there was a gobbler on it. We were staying all night there fishing, and this turkey flew down in his field, and I went up there and literally found me a leaf, and I squawked him up. I'm sure the hens were all on the nest and everything, you know, so it was – he was looking for love, and I oh. called him up, and that was the end of my career with a leaf. I thought, well, I did what I wanted to do, but that was – I'll never forget that old gentleman with that with that leaf with that limb. You know, he had a whole limb on just a little three little limbs, and they were all young leaves. You know, and he picked one off and just it was amazing. But uh, well, Leroy did some demonstrations, and and uh, actually after that, I got I started blowing Leroy's calls that he made. He made yeah. some single reed mouth diaphragms, and and uh, I've got a kind of a mouth like a horse, so I needed a wide <laughs> frame, and that old lead frame I could you know stretch it. And make it higher pitched or loosen it up a little right. bit and change the pitch on it, which I liked. And then 
uh, eventually I won a uh, contest in Kansas City that qualified me for the Grand National. So that and that was a whole different deal after that. But, oh, absolutely. But uh, Leroy, yeah, he was he was a big cheerleader. Oh yeah, Leroy sure. was a great guy. I actually, sat on a couple of committees with him with the Conservation Federation of Missouri, gosh, decades and decades ago. But I love that peach leaf story. Now, I never heard about peach leaves, but I used to have a college professor take these little winged maple leaves, and he could, uh, uh-huh. yep, like a turkey on those leaves. Now, I tried that a few times, and I about choked to death, so I gave up leaves pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, Walter, I've always... Well, I'd walk along that riverbank, you know, and try those different leaves, so you can imagine what I had in my mouth. I hate, you know, oh, hate don't tell it. like I said, it's a yeah. wonder I didn't get anything on <laughs> but that boy that's fabulous turkey hunting history though you know because that really was the beginning of the new era uh, in this country were you talking about winning uh, you know moving on up to the kansas city uh, area and winning a competition there but you had what about a 20-year run or so in the calling contest where you did extremely well i, pro- I guess somewhere around that i mean you know i, I- you know, we're just having a good time. And, and the thing about it was that once, you know, it was all about friendship, really. I mean, yeah. you know, there was some, everybody was really competitive when they called, but when it was over, it was over in those days, you know. And then when we finally went to the Grand Nationals and, and started meeting people from other states and stuff, I mean, man, it was, it was, it was awesome. I thought we it was like a family reunion every time we'd go back, you know, oh, look yeah. forward to going back and seeing all our friends and, Right. kept in touch with them and stuff, you know, and, and, uh, uh, it was, it was fun. Oh yeah. I remember fun, those no days, doubt. of course, as a young outdoor rider, I used to run around some of those contests to get the photographs and I, I write for, uh, Drury's deer cast now. And I found, I dig mm-hmm. around in a drawer here, my desk here, oh, a year or so ago. And I found a photograph. I think it was Mark Drury's, uh, first state championship, but there were several of you guys lined up there. Ricky Joe Bishop was in the group. Alex Rutledge was there. You were there. There were five or six of you. And man, in fact, that's not a revealing photograph. Why well, we, we kind of look like a bunch of hippies the way we dressed back then, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they published that on, on, on Deercat. If you get a chance, get on DeerCast, and uh, you can probably find that photograph somewhere. Okay. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool. There was one character in the group, though, we never did figure out who he, who he was. And I, I didn't, of course. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we ever determined who the one guy was, so there was a mystery character in there. But Well, send me a, send me a picture of that and put an arrow above him, and let me see if I can figure out who Okay, okay. I'll have to hunt that picture up again. I'd like to see that. I, yeah, I can scan it and uh, or just photograph it when my phone send it to you. Yeah, you, you'll probably yeah, know. Just take a, yeah, yeah, you probably great. yeah, you probably know who it is. Well, back in the, oh, I don't know, I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody was crawling out of the brush, you know, to come in to, to the turkey calling contest back then, and you oh, remember, yeah. remember how crazy popular those things got. Hundreds of people would show up at some of these uh, events, and it was always fun to watch. But back in the day when things were really cranking up who were some of the guys that, that were in the competition that you can recall oh my goodness well i mean now you talk about on the national level you talk about round home or i mean oh, they had some great callers oh yeah yeah start with the round home stuff because uh, people enjoy oh, listening I mean, to some know, of these of course, missouri names of course ray ray was kind of getting out then ray i was kind of getting out then but he he kind of got me started on you know, after I made the uh, won the the uh, 
championship there in, in uh, Kansas City and was going to go to the Grand Nationals. He goes, man, you can't call like that there. You're going to have to do something different. <laughs> and so that's when I was introduced to a triple recall. But I still like my old single read. Now, I thought, right. I, sound, I still think I sound better, but, but I had to learn to manipulate that. And that's when I started going, you know, learning different mouth calls. And then I, when I got over there, you know, uh, uh, Terry Rom had the first, Right. Cut call I ever seen. It was like on the edge, you know, like a boss hand. But anyway, back in back in Missouri, I mean, you know, Ray, like I said, Ray was getting toward the end of his, you know, calling competitions and, and but uh, Gary Williams was somebody that was really strong all the right. time. Gary was somebody that you know, I mean, you had to deal with Gary in the state and all that. He was really, really a good solid caller and he, and his brother Billy and, and uh you know, and Wayne Jenrin. You know, the late oh, Wayne Jr. Yes, Wayne was yes. always. I still got some of his box Wayne calls. used to call all the time, you know. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, there was a gentleman that, uh, by the name of Rex Turner. And he, you know, he blew the old boss in. You know, that was just one. And that's what Wayne blew. And, and it, those guys could really run those things. And Rex could really, really yelp. Sounded just like a daggum turkey. And, but, you know, there was other calls that you had to make. And that, that single recall had a little trouble making those. And that. That might have helped me somewhat, you know, but you you know you have to do just about everything. All the calls pretty good to, to do any any good. But we were sitting there, and it was back in the day where the decoys first come out. I don't, you probably remember that. Oh, yeah. Flex was the very first one, you know. And, right. And Doc Detmer was there. It was at the state. It was at the state convention in Springfield. And Doc, we were all standing around. And Doc said, "You know, I make them out of paper mache and a milk jug." <laughs> you know, and they were all we were all standing around like in a group, and Rex. Rex was pretty quiet. He was a tall, old, very clean-cut, shaven gentleman, you know, and uh-huh. never said a whole lot. But when he said something, you know, it was pretty intelligent. And <laughs> and I'm standing there next to Rex, and Rex goes, you know, he talked about those decoys, and Rex looked at me, and he goes, you can do the same thing with a trash bag. He'd blow it up, throw it out beside <laughs> And I thought, you old son of a gun? Yeah. <laughs> a black trash bag. He said, you can blow up a black trash bag and put it right up beside you. You can do the same thing. Well, I, I, I thought, you son of a gun, you. I know they would work because I could tell you for a fact, you know, I drove a UPS truck for over three decades all out through the Ozarks and everything. And I can't t- tell you how many times I squall my tires and I'd come around the corner and there'd be a blast trash a trash bag hung up on a little cedar bush or something out in the pasture. I was stopping to look at the gobbler, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you've been, it's hard to tell how long you've been decoying them. You sly old fox, you. Yeah. You know, but that thing and, you know, and something else. I, I don't want to get off here. We're talking about great callers from Missouri, and there's surely a bunch of them, Billy Yargis and just. Oh yeah, Harris and I mean, there's uh, there's so many of them, and I can't I can't call all the names probably, and I'd mess it up. Stoltz has been around there, Chris Parrish, right? You know, uh, golly, just there's just a bunch of them, but but you know, a friend of mine back in the back, like you call back in the day. Now we didn't really have camouflage. You know, you were lucky to have any camouflage. Oh yeah, and these boys that I run around with were, were just farm boys, you know. And one of them, he killed turkeys and didn't have a head net, but he would always wear a red and black plaid shirt. Really? And I didn't for the life of me for a long time. I could not think of why in the world he would, how he could get away with that. Now, grant you Missouri for several years, we held the record for turkey hunting accidents. Congratulations to us. You know, right? it was, it was horrible. And I know you remember that for oh, several years, we had the highest number of turkey hunting accidents of any state. But anyway, back to this, Leonard was hunting and he's hunting and, and for the life of me I couldn't figure it out. But later in life I got to thinking about, you know, that black and that red, 
it looked like turkeys there. Right. And he was decoying about half the time I with that like, shirt on. With that shirt on. You know, on. you're thinking about a bunch of jakes, a bunch of jakes up there, you know. Uh-huh. And just that red and black, and those were the colors that right. he obviously didn't want to wear. Well, yeah. And after a while, you know, they they determined all that. But I, I thought to myself, he was decoying those things. None of us even knew it. You know, we didn't even know it. Exactly. But that was just another one of those things. And then we had a, another old gentleman that was a, a preacher there, and he wore an old black trench coat. Black trench coat. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming I don't know how many birds he ever took. But I got to thinking about that after the fact because they didn't have any camo. Right. You know, that's right. back way back when. Yeah. We had a great turkey hunter here in St. James by the name of Lyle Staub. And Lyle bragged that he'd kill so many turkeys, he got boring. He said, you know, if you go out and you kill one every time you go out, well, uh, there's just not much, not much challenge to it. <laughs> I didn't know whether to believe him or not. But Lyle came out with a camo here uh, is od green military stuff and i was just fresh out of the military and he took cut out some patterns and took spray cans you know and one of the dominant things he had on his camo was dogwood blossoms big white <laughs> dogwood. Uh-huh. and so i tried that with you know some different leaves and stuff it was horrible looking stuff just to look at with a human eye but boy it blended it pretty good in right in the woods but there you go again you know that big dogwood blossom could like look like the white head of a turkey you know so when i started hearing about all the safety stuff i i had to had to revamp my camo absolutely but by that time you know bill jordan had come on the scene and he saved us all i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll tell you what that old military that old military stuff that old ripstop stuff is still some of the best you could ever get i mean that stuff was like you know, you had the best. You had the best tuxedo on in the woods if you had, was wearing that stuff. Oh, oh, absolutely! Finally got it. Finally saved and scratched enough money up to get an outfit of that, and I love that stuff. <laughs> oh, I did too. I, it's still good. I still you know, got some hanging in the closet. Hey, Walter, hang on here. We're going to take another short break, and then we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. All right, if you're driving down the highway, you're carrying the groceries in at home, whatever, listen to the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. We always got great information. Today, we've got a great turkey hunter on the program with her, Mr. Walter Parrott, who I've known for decades, and Walter used to be my hero. He's still one of my great heroes. And Walter, you know, I just uh, wrote a story about you a year or so ago for Hook and Barrel Magazine. I think you remember we chatted over the phone a little bit. Turned out a great story. He was, I do. <laughs> and the editor, well, the editor will know how I knew Walter Parrott. I said, boy, we're both old, old-timers. old we, we go way back. Walter <laughs> was one of the first and greatest turkey hunters. Everybody, particularly in the Missouri Ozarks and area, uh, knew Walter Parrott, knew who he was, could even tell 
who was in the calling contest because he had such a distinct ring to his turkey calls. But, Walter, we were just talking about some of the great Missouri turkey hunters. Of course, you went uh, big time, run all over the country, all the national championships. Uh, Tell us some of the old names in the national championship uh, ring. From back oh in the gosh, day. you know, uh, <clears throat> oh the Rom Rom brothers, Terry and Robbie and Putt and uh, Kelly Cooper. I used to have a lot of fun with him. I used to, I loved to mess with Kelly. And of course, Ray was around there in that national level also. And, oh yeah. And, uh, oh man, I don't know the guys from Arkansas, Terry Phillips and Von Eubank, and then they come from all over the you know all over the country. Tom Stuckey, right? Actually, won the first one that I went to. And he's the first guy that I met, you know, when I went to Country Boy and went to the big city, you know, and uh, uh, Ben Lee. I oh, mean, yes, you know, Dick absolutely. Kirby, yeah. Oh. All, all those guys. I mean, you know, uh, and Ben was a hoot. Uh, Lewis Stowe, Skeet Thomas, um, just, I mean, John Egolf and, and Matt Moret. Just, you you know, you, you if you name them, you know, I, I knew them. And, and we always had a good time. And those those guys were all great guys. You know, and they were always fun to hang around with, and and it even got to where they they even talked about us at the convention about us. You know, if we all went somewhere, you know, they we were kind of like a mob, you know. But, <laughs> but there was no problems with anybody. But you know, <laughs> but there's no problems with anybody, you know, at all. And, right. And but those, I'm sure I'm I'm, mi- I'm missing some names. I oh, know, but yeah, you know, we were all great. We never you didn't remember mess with nobody. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Oh no! But, but you didn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't bother anybody. Yeah. Say nobody caused any problems, but there was not going to be any problems either. You know. Yeah. And those guys were just all great. We had we had a blast. Oh, I know you it did. Was so much but, fun, and you know. Right, but those couple dozen names that you mentioned there, those are the people that educated our turkey hunters across the country. We followed you guys like like crazy, and then uh, remember, I don't know what the first recordings were. Was it the little, little tapes? Remember the little tapes, you, instructional tapes you could get. I think I bought every one of those that was ever produced. Trying to learn how to call. T- uh, yeah, I know. I know. You know, there was a lot of guys from down south. I mean, there was even uh, you know Lynch had them. I mean, they were they're all Tom Turpin. I think you know right. Uh, those guys had them. Kirby had some. Ben Lee had them. You know, that's the first thing, the little cassette tapes. Actually, the record, the records were that the 45s were the first one that I knew of. Well, I don't guess I ever you know, and, saw uh, one of those, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. But I got to tell you a quick story. I, oh, I was fairly new to turkey hunting, but I'd got an invite to go to Texas from a biologist friend of mine, and I went down and, uh, First place we hunted was around the Red River. It was just like the Ozarks. It was fascinating, man. They had lots of turkeys, killed a turkey there, and then headed up toward <clears throat> kind of further south, I, I guess, got into dry country with mesquite and all that, and uh, hunted on a fifth-generation uh, cattle farmer's place. This little bitty guy with a great big handlebar mustache, and uh, we drove four hours before daylight to get there and the guy comes out and said oh turkey hunting's on time we're going hog hunting you know and i was really disappointed but we're driving around and we did find a big hog that got away from us but i kept seeing reels dashing everywhere finally saw two way down right. the, the way through a opening in the brush and i said hey man can't we stop and get after these turkeys yeah but you're wasting your time the boy's name was tony d weber and he talked just like that but anyway i convinced <laughs> <laughs> i convinced tony we need to get after 
after them, you know. So we hustled about 300 yards, sneaking through the woods and got close to the edge. And then 400 yards across this hayfield, we could see two gobblers over there. So we all set up, and I I uh, popped a double reed call in my mouth and cackled real big. Well, them two gobblers jumped on each other, went to fight, and then come racing across that field. Well, 10 minutes later, we had one of them flopping on the ground. And old Tony said, why? I, right. I ain't ever heard anybody call like that before. So we was filming. I said, so, Tony, you <laughs> you sit down there, and we're going to film this like you call this turkey call in. I, I want to see what he'd do. See, all right, he had an, on an old OD army jacket. He sits down. He reaches down in his pocket. He pulls out. I'm not lying now. One of those one-sided lynch box calls, and he goes, yep. "Yeah, real, real slow." He goes, "Yelp, yelp, yelp," <laughs> <laughs> and he's he set that call down beside of him. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and waiting. I said, "Tony, how long for you call again?" He said, "Oh, about forty-five minutes." <laughs> He was old, 45 minutes. Yeah, he was old style, but he guided people out of the cities, you know, Austin and Houston, all the time. And I told my wife, I, I gave Tony some calls and instructional tapes. I said, he'll kill, he'll kill every turkey on this place next year. <laughs> what a good old boy. But I know you've hunted all over the country, Walter, and you have run into, I'm sure, some exceptional characters. And I have to ask you, you know, the good old storytellers and all that, uh, folks. What do you remember? Two or three names from your experience across the country. Just some good old boys that could hunt turkeys and tell good stories. Anybody come to mind? Oh my God! <laughs> oh, Ray, I was the biggest storyteller I ever. Oh, yeah, he still you is. You, you, you'll agree with that. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Just keep you in stitches. <laughs> some way, some you know, somehow, you know, he he would definitely keep you in stitches. Oh, but, you know. He's an entertainer. Them, you know, a lot of them would tell stories, but, you know, uh, but there was a lot of them pretty humble, and they, they loved what they did, and they were competition callers. And I, I don't know, a little bit like me, I just, you know, I, I love to call and love to listen to them and love to be around those guys and listen to their stories and and, and funny and, and <laughs> whatever, and we just, we just had such a good time. It was just really, really a good time. Turkey hunting, turkey hunting camps is being out there in the woods with people. And of course, we stayed in lots of log lodges oh falling down cabins tent camps whatever Any, oh yeah anything absolutely absolutely oh yeah I ate some great food together well walter let's let's advance yeah. let's advance here a little bit your career you've worked for all kinds of companies represent all kinds of companies and everything but uh look into the future a little bit can you make a little bit of comparison or, or personal opinion about what turkey hunting is today as opposed to the early days when we first got started turkey hunting here in Missouri. Uh, what's your feeling? Is a turkey hunting situation, well, turkey I, hunters, know, better, worse, or what's your opinion? Well, you know, the population is, has dwindled. You know, yes. that's, that's the main thing. Right. And, and, you know, there's, and I don't think there's as many hunters, you know, numbers-wise. Of course, this pandemic they say you know they brought everybody out from behind every tree you know there was turkey hunters all over the place because they didn't have anything else to do but but uh the numbers have dwindled you know and i i don't know that the turkey hunters are any better than they were you know some of them you know uh 
podcast, Instagram, YouTube, right. you know, a lot of them try to show their skills, <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but you know, that's what they like to do. And, and you don't have to be a professional caller to, to, you know, to be successful as a hunter. Oh, I'm living, you know, we all know I'm that. Living proof. And I always do that all along. Yeah, I'm know? living proof of that. Well, I mean, <laughs> and I was too, and I was too for a long time. I mean, you know, I learned by trial and error and just to get back to, you know, talking about basic stuff. I, I told people when I was doing seminars, I said, look, I didn't read this. I didn't see this on any video. I, I did this. Yeah, These are mistakes that, that I made. Right. And a lot of times, and unfortunately, I hate to tell you, sometimes I made them more than once. So I'm <laughs> telling you, this this came right for me, my experience in the woods. You know, exactly. I can tell you what not to do. Right. And, and you know, make your, your learning curve a lot shorter. But, you know, it, it's, you know, turkey hunting to me is just, it's a, a handful of scenarios, you know, uh, that's intertwined in so many different ways, if that makes any sense. There's only a handful yes, of things that's probably going to happen. But right. there's so many different scenarios that they can work out on, you know, and uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. But, yeah, it, it's changed a little bit in the last few years, you know, and the birds are uh, – a lot fewer numbers than there were and they've a lot of experts have got a lot of different reasonings for that and, yeah. and i'm really concerned about that i know i know predators oh, I think, play a part in that oh absolutely we're and, all concerned about that and you, you hope know, things begin to turn around pretty soon because uh, yes and, and you know what i got a bad feeling bill because you and i both were around when the quail went away in missouri right you know and that's that kind of gut feeling i got right now yeah and i hope i'm wrong i hope you are but, too you know uh <laughs> man do i hope i'm wrong but you know a lot of you know a lot of things have changed feeders you know mm-hmm. have changed things they've they've got you know i seen a, a little show the other day this lady was trying to harvest their biggest deer or whatever but they showed a you know a trail cam picture of the feeder and there, there's like 12 coons sitting there yeah oh yeah you know 12 raccoons and they devastate you know and if turkeys are coming there there's no there's you know you know, all they're doing, a friend of mine in Kentucky made a statement a couple of years ago to him, and he said, you know what, feeders, what feeders do, they make coons have a good winter. And then when they have a good winter, they devastate the turkey population. Uh, absolutely. And I think coons are and he made one great of the worst sense, predators. You know? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Any any egg sucker. Yeah. You and, know. and hides are not worth anything anymore. Hardly anybody coon hunts anymore. And, you know, when I was a kid, we were after them all the time. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, oh yes, they used to be. They used to be incredibly priced. You know, right? It was crazy what they were getting for coon hides, and no, nobody hunts anymore. And then you've got people that are against it. You know, don't want anybody wearing fur, and just you know, just just crazy stuff like that. And I used to think that, you know, distemper would take care of that. You know, once they got overpopulated, and you started seeing them in the daytime, right? You know, and and that the distemper would take care of some of that and help the population out, but I don't know that it is anymore. I've seen predators in Kansas that spring skunks, several skunks in the daytime. Right. You know, yeah, and and coons. Yeah, I think that's happened all across the country. We we know the story of the coyote, how it's been the most persecuted animal in the country ever, and it's spread its range. Uh, Yeah. Far sure. wide, and a sure. coyote's a big predator. I got to tell you though, I saw one time down in Texas County, I had a gobbler coming, big old gobbler, and oh, I just you know already had him mounted and hanging on the wall. Well, he hung up on me, and then all of a sudden he flies up in a 
pine tree, and I didn't know there were birds behind him, but they all flew up, three or four of them flew up in a pine tree, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Well, here come the biggest old coyote I think I've ever seen in my life, beautiful pelt on yeah. him. Uh, they'd seen him, but he went off past them, I don't know, 7,500 yards. Well, all of them flew down and got after the coyote. It were four adult gobblers beating up on a coyote, you know, and uh, they they put him on down, down the road, but that's not normal. Put him in the wind, huh? They did. Yeah, that was uh, funny to watch, but we know, you know, little turkeys, man, everything in the world wants to eat them from the time they're in the egg till they're, and they're really Absolutely. vulnerable until they get to where they can fly up. So, yeah, predators is, right. is a big, big issue. But you know what? Uh, I'm going to be 72 soon, but I'm going to keep turkey hunting until I just can't turkey hunt anymore because it's in my blood just like it is with you and a lot of folks that are listening to the program in their blood as well. And turkey hunting is turkey hunting is turkey hunting. I don't care what state you're in or whether you're in Canada or Mexico. It's all great fun. There's just nothing that makes my heart beat like a big old gobbler sounding off at daylight, and I'm sure you feel the same way. That's right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And people, you know, people all the time. Well, did you have a good spring, dude? I got to go hunting. Yeah, I got to go hunting, so I had a great spring. I, I mean, you know, numbers don't mean anything to me. And and I'll just go back to that gentleman that you said that uh, said if you kill so many of them, you you kill them every time you go out, you get tired of it. Yeah. I just have to go ahead and tell you, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, and I, and one more statement I will make. I never met a guy that talked about kept numbers and told me numbers of what he killed that was telling the truth anyway. Yeah. 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 Nobody, nobody. I never met anybody who was truthful that was doing that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> well, you know, t- t- turkey hunters are kind of like fishermen, you know. <laughs> well, now I, I will tell you, I will tell you a story and I won't even, well, I shouldn't even say the state, but I'll say it in Kansas. We went, uh, my girlfriend and I, and my friend, and my friend's got a farm there. We weren't doing very good on his place. So we went, Terry and I went riding around and found some turkeys. They were shaded up under a pond bank, under some trees. And it was a place we could hunt. So we went over there and got on them and ended up like killing like five of them. But there was just a bunch wow. of them there. I mean, they were all over the Rio, you know, and right. it was, they were, they were all over the place. And so my buddy says, well, I guess I'll call, you know, call the landowner and tell him thanks and tell him what we did. And I said, well, I said, you can call him and tell him thanks. I said, I don't think I'd tell him what we did. <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't want to lie to him. I said, well, let me talk to him then. Uh-huh. <laughs> he started laughing. I said, look, I said, this is not something that's going to affect his life any way, shape, or form. He does not hunt. He doesn't right. let anybody hunt. Right. He doesn't. It, it's like a need-to-know basis. He doesn't, he doesn't need to know. Yeah. And still to this day, you know, I, and he just laughed. I said, well, let me talk to him. I said, I'll look him right in the eye, you know, and, and, and I guess that makes me a liar, but that's the only thing that I'm not a good liar at all. But when it comes to turkey, don't, don't make me lie to you. That's yeah. what I tell people. Well, what would you do with? I said, don't make me lie to you. Yeah. You know? Exactly, and, but hey, and all, I'm sure you're the same way. Hey, we're all we're all guilty, you know. Because oh, absolutely. I mean, if you and I, you and I were turkey hunting, and we we got off the gobblers and didn't do any good, but we were chomping at the bit to try them the next day, and and we went into the restaurant, and the guy comes up, well, did you hear anything? And I, I would, you'd look at me first thing you do, you'd look at me, and then you'd say, well, we heard one, but it wasn't in the same zip code we were in, so we don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. And he goes, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's been happening to me. And you'd let him walk off. And you'd, Look at me and grin, and we'd go back to eating our eggs and 
bacon and grits and toast and oh, all that, yeah. you know. Well, so, you know, I, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, one thing I used to love to do, and it finally got me in trouble with a couple of buddies, you know, the people asked me where I was tucked turkey hunting i just tell them where my buddy was hunting over in the next county you know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that gets to the yeah, point and that, though. and that you know that yeah that gets to the point though with your buddy it's not funny to, anymore <laughs> yeah not funny anymore yeah that, and that that made me think about something about calling you know people you know you, you you need to learn to use another call every year to add it to your arsenal if you can you know two or three sure. you need to have at least a couple two or three different calls you know and, uh-huh. and a turkey hunter wants to do that because he wants to learn to use every call that he possibly can. And I and I did that at a young age. I made, I mean, I, I've used every type call there is, and I don't think there's anything that I, I can't, you know, make a noise on anyway. Right. And people are talking about, you know, the and the worst guy talking about people calling at work and stuff because they used to do that all the time. You can remember back when. Oh that, yes. Well, he's learning to use the mouth call, and and he's calling, calling, calling. He's learning. He's finally got it. And he can't wait until turkey season comes. So the, what's he want to do? He goes to go out before season and start squawking around and calling, you know, and messing things up <laughs> and just doing stuff you don't really need to do, you know. And so I said, look, if you're that guy, don't go to your place and do that. Go to your buddy's place and practice there. <laughs> That's where you want to go. And the crowd would just look at me, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, we used to. I know you were the same way. You couldn't get enough knowledge. There wasn't enough days in the week. There wasn't enough springtime, and you could only hunt. I can remember when we could only hunt a week, and then the next thing was two weeks. And, you know, and if if you worked and and you had two weeks to hunt, then you had two weekends. And if it rained one day or rained two days and there were half days, you could get down to one day or be hunting in the rain the whole time, you know. So it it was tough, tough to to get, you know, the knowledge because, knowledge is like they say is king and you've got you've got to spend time in the woods to do that to get oh, it. exactly and i know you you're know. just like me too we work working guys you know and i take ever ever vacation i had to turkey hunt in the springtime and then, of course love fall turkey hunting as well well, Walter, I tell you what, all great things oh, must yeah. must come to an end, buddy. We could sit here and talk for days, you know, but these uh, the boss and all of them, they like for us to stay within a time frame. But, buddy, it has, <laughs> has been an absolute pleasure to get to talk this long to you. I don't think we've talked this long at one setting in a couple of decades. But, boy, great memories, and we were so blessed, uh, I think, to live when we did as far as the turkey hunting era. But Absolutely. We got to see the peak of it and you know what boy back there in 1890s and 90s uh, i thought i was uh i thought i was one good turkey hunter because i hunted uh, uh this part of the world hunted a lot along the burbis river and it seemed like there was a turkey behind every tree and you know what there was lots of dumb ones out there then too i killed a there, lot i'll kill a lot of was one behind every tree you're right <laughs> there was certainly was that's why the learning curve was so short for us, really, I think, Bill. I right. mean, we got to, you know, you sit down there, and you're sitting there working a the turkey, and you could hear three or four behind you or back off to the side or here or there, and he'd quit and mess it up, and, and you'd think, well, I've boogered him up. He ain't coming. You go to another one, but if you were smart enough to know, if you'd have just sat there, right. you know, you learn later in years. <laughs> it's hard telling what would have came to you, you know. Oh. They might have all ended up there, but, you know, it's just, that's just, you know, well, I- knowledge. I can tell you, experience. talking about knowledge, uh, boy, I've gotten so much smarter in my older years. You remember the days I could be on a ridge and I'd hear a turkey gobble on a ridge 
a mile away. I double time over there, you know, and uh, killed a lot of yeah. turkeys like that. Well, today I've, uh, I've, uh, my calling and my the way I go after it is a whole lot different. I may hear that turkey gobble a mile away. I might walk a little ways that way, but at some point I'm just going to sit down and start calling and let him do the walking. <laughs> yep. If I kill him, that's fine. That's if I don't, true. that's fine. I've still had a good time. Why don't you wrap it up here right <laughs> quick? Ahead. Yeah. The last, give, give us some great turkey hunting advice here in the last minute of the show. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill, be patient and hunt him like he's looking at you because he probably is. <laughs> Now, I've never heard that before, but very, very true. Walter, once again, thanks so much for taking the time, man, to be on the show with us. And, hey, uh, I'm sure we hadn't even scratched the surface of your turkey hunting knowledge. So, uh, hey, sometime down the road, we'll have you on the program again. But, man, thanks again. And, folks, I tell you, Walter Parrott and I, we have lived our outdoor dreams our entire lives, and we encourage you to do the same. I'm Bill Cooper, and this has been the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Hey, Bill, for all the uh, people out there that's entering the giveaway this week, uh, what, what are we doing? This is the first one. Hey, man, I, I hate to say we're starting with the best, you know, because we got a list uh, right now of, of 12 businesses that are giving us certificates or product to give away uh, each episode on the show. And the very first one, near and dear to my heart, boy, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters. Frank, oh, yeah. hey, can I put my name in this? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I wish I could, man. That's awesome. <laughs> but, hey, that's Damon Spurgeon. You know, he's a world-class guide right here in the Ozarks. Yeah. And, I'd like to see a show of hands out there, you know. Yeah. How many people have seen a drift boat floating down an Ozark stream? I have not. I have seen drift boats going down the highway, probably behind Damon's truck. <laughs> but And I'm always like, because I know about that drift boat fishing. That's that's really, really cool. And especially if you're a fly fisherman, get out there and tow some flies at some trout or some smallmouth or something out there on these gravel bottom rivers. Oh, man, that's cool. It is really cool. And Damon is quite the expert. He guides on both the Merrimack River right here in the Ozarks, out our back door practically down mm-hmm. on the current river, and even the White River of Arkansas. Oh, yeah. He just got that turned on, too, didn't yes, he? Yes, he did. And he's actually got another helper down there in Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, uh, that guy's actually on the U.S. fishing team, man. That, oh, wow. These guys are top-notch, and I've been in that boat many, many times. And, boy, is it ever mesmerizing to be standing in the – I don't know what they call that apparatus in the – in the front that kind of holds you in place. You yeah. Hey, they go over some drops, hit some rocks, and you don't bounce around much. You stay in that boat, and then they're yelling at you, drop that fly, that flat water right behind that yeah. rock we just <laughs> ran into. <laughs> yeah. And, but the incredible thing about this, Damon's been at this long enough that he has he has these rivers figured out. Yeah. And people are going to think I'm totally nuts. I'm in outer space by even saying this, but we had a media friend of ours in a boat uh, with Damon and a friend of uh, the media guy uh, floating down the Merrimack just uh, back in cooler weather, I want to say in March probably. Uh-huh. And in six miles, these guys put 190 trout in the boat. Oh, my goodness. Phenomenal. Now, that doesn't happen every trip, but I've never known Damon to put less than 40 fish in, in the yeah. boat with these clients. He's got it figured out. He does a lot of urine imping. And if you're a real good client, he might even feed you a sandwich on a gravel bar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, all you got to do, if you want to enter for your chance to win this gift certificate here, Go over to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast Facebook page, and all you got to do is like the page, and then go down below and comment 
your name to enter the contest on the post that's associated with this episode. And then next week, we're going to announce your name on the air if you won. And uh, I want to hear some tall tales from whoever wins, too, because, like, <laughs> ain't no telling who the winner is or where they're coming from, you know, or what their background. They may not even heard of a drift boat. And this is going to be a lifetime experience right here. It, it really is. And, uh, folks, uh, please enter because this is just a phenomenal trip. And, hey, it'll be a trip you'll tell your grandkids about. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of pictures, too. You got to take pictures or it didn't happen, right? That's exactly. Oh, that's come back and bit me a couple of times. <laughs> what fish? <laughs> what fish? That's right. <laughs> the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Living the Dream Outdoors Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort. Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.